The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about the Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. All right. It's crazy in here today, isn't it? I love it. It's just insanity. I'm a happy dad, just so you know. I'm in a great mood because I got all my kids home. And they, uh, my oldest daughter and my son-in-law got in last Sunday night. And my granddaughter, who is in my oldest daughter's tummy, um, it's, it's, she's got, my baby bump's bigger than hers right now. But um, that's okay. She's going she's gonna to surpass me. And uh, I'm going to lose some weight this fall. That's my plan. Um, no, when my kids are home, I feel like I do nothing but eat. It's just nuts because they don't have good Mexican food in Canada. So we've got to go find all these good Mexican food places. And they don't have good barbecue in Canada, so we've got to go find good barbecue places. So you're seeing where this is going? Um, so yeah, it's just awesome. I'm a happy dad, and uh, I am not happy for this week, though next week I'll be a mess. So you'll have to comfort me, because my kids are going home this week, and then Abby's moving back to college on Tuesday. So yeah, I'll be a mess next week, and we'll, I'll uh, probably just do a bunch of yelling, and we'll go that way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, I'm Pastor Matt. I'm so glad you're here. Um, I want to welcome home all of our missions team. So our Canadian mission team and our Nicaragua team. Welcome home, everybody. I'm glad you got home safe. I'm not going to steal your thunder. There's gonna, they're putting together a video, and next week you're going to get some updates. But I mean, things like a church is launching in Canada that the creek was, is helping, and uh, in Toronto, and that's, that's awesome, and, and lives are getting saved up there. And, and our team went to Nicaragua and got to do baptisms in the river and be a part of a, a church and feeding centers and bringing hope. And, and there's, so I'm not going to share all that. They're going to share that. So you, next week, it's going to be awesome. Um, you also don't want to miss next week because... Um, uh, we've been going through this series called You Asked For It. We started last week, and next week, it's really going to be kind of unscripted. See, what happened is uh, kind of the process that I go through is I take um, all those questions that have come in, and I print them off, and I lay them across my desk, and then I say, God, help me, because um, there's some tough questions. You guys got some tough questions, and I love it because it gives me a good idea of kind of where you're at, what you're thinking. I mean, what are you wrestling with in your, in your faith? And, and so I, I lay them out. And I'm like, God, just show me kind of how you want me to do this. And because I'm used to having it like, I like it having put together and everything. And so last week we dealt with some gospel questions because in those questions across my desk, there were questions about the gospel that were coming up about sin, confession, repentance, and, and, and what am I working out? And so we dealt with that last week. And then this week as I was praying, there's a lot of things with prayer that came up. And so today we're dealing with prayer. Next week, we're dealing with kind of a lot of miscellaneous questions um, and so Trinity and I are just going to sit up here and we're going to plow through these questions um, because y'all got some crazy ones, some good ones. Not cra- I'm not calling you crazy. I'm just saying they're tough and I can't put them in this nice, neatly packaged sermon. So we're just going to sit up here. It's going to be raw, unscripted, and we're going to just read the question. Here we go. You know, like some, some, you got some questions like, where does the United States fit in the Bible? Um, things about homosexuality. Thank you a lot for that one. Um, you know, <laughs> sexuality and, and relationships. And, and so there's just a lot. And, and, and like, you know, why does, why does the Bible tell women to sit down and shut up when I have a, a big personality? And so we're going to deal with all of that stuff because here's what I'm learning. Some of us carry a lot of baggage because somewhere along the way, someone has given us really bad information. 
and, and we haven't been in the word of God. And so I want to kind of look at the word of God to kind of fix some of our baggage. Does that make sense? So if you've got your Bible, go to Matthew chapter five. Um, we're going to be there today. I put on um, your note sheets some extra reading. I don't do that a lot, but I did that this week because there's a lot of passages that um, are in, in this that I'm gonna reference, but we don't have time to go in and really exposit those or otherwise we'll be here till tomorrow, um, which I'm fine with if you're okay. Um, I didn't think so. But um, some, the greatest question that I received was this. Why should I read the Bible? Why should I study the Bible on my own instead of just hearing you preach it? It's a good question. And sadly, that's been a lot of the focus of religion, that you come to me and I feed you. I tell you what to think. I can't say the word that's going through my mind right now because we're in church, but uh, that's baloney. And, and it's also, you, you've got, this is your relationship. Jesus is not a religion. He's a relationship. And in order for us to grow in that, we got to spend time in the Word. See, here's, here's the deal. If you expect me to feed you on Sunday, you're in for a world of hurt because I'm not that good of a cook. Now, I've got, I've got perfect ingredients, but I'm not that good of a cook. The other thing is, yesterday we had a baby shower for my granddaughter. My granddaughter's coming in December. I just didn't know if you knew that or not. But, and there, my, my mother's love language is cooking. And so there is more food than we know what to do with. And I mean, I literally ate till I felt like slipping into a food coma. And she made my favorite thing. Here's how I know my mama loves me. She made my favorite thing in all the world, pepperoni rolls. Now, before you look at me like, that's your favorite thing? You ain't had my mama's pepperoni rolls. And so I'm eating them before the party even starts. So by the time that party is finished, I'm just stuffed. I, I'm hurting. And then I do a little road trip. I take my, my mother-in-law halfway to San Angelo because her flight got canceled. And because I love my mother-in-law, I'm helping her get home. And so about 10 minutes after I dropped her off, <laughs> that didn't come out right, did it? I really love my mother-in-law. I got a great relationship with her. Um, but she's like, I need to get home. And they canceled my flight. And I was like, here I am to save the day. So um, <laughs> that's funny. That was just, wow. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. T- Ten minutes into the return drive, I start thinking, man, I really want one of those pepperoni rolls. I want a couple of those pepperoni rolls. And I'm hungry again. I had just eaten myself on the verge of a food coma, and now I'm hungry again? See, that's the thing. If you want me to feed you on Sunday, you'll be fine for about three hours. And then after that, you're going to be spiritually depleted, and you're going to spend the rest of the week just, just in a, you're going to be spiritually grungry is what you are. And people don't want to be around people like that. When you're hangry, you know, hungry and angry, grumpy and hungry, grungry, that's my family's word for it. Nobody wants to be around you. Get in the word of God. That's why we have Bibles on the back tables for you. That's why I say every week, if you don't have one, borrow one of ours. If you don't own one, write your name in it. Take it home. I want you to have the good ingredients and you learn to cook it on your own. Now, you got smartphones, version. it's a free app. We put our stuff in that. We go through a lot of trouble to get the word of God in front of you because I want you in the word of God, not just me 
feeding it to you. I, I was watching the birds. There's some birds building a nest in their gutter. Well, they were. They got washed out this week. They didn't have flood insurance. But um, I started thinking about birds and how they eat. You ever watch a bird feed their young? It's disgusting. We did a game in youth one time called bird feeding. And here's what they had to do. Somebody had to chew up a Big Mac and another person had to eat it. <laughs> Some of you are like, you, I'm glad you're not my youth pastor. I wasn't the youth pastor at that time and I didn't participate in that game. It's disgusting. I have a low gag reflex and I would have thrown up. But, but sadly and, most dis- and kind of disgustingly, we think church should be that way. You chew it up for me and just spit it in my mouth and I'll just go along my way. That's disgusting, isn't it? Can we all agree that that ain't right? Okay, good. So Matthew chapter uh, six, I'm sorry, I said chapter five earlier. Matthew chapter six. Um, So let's deal with some of these questions. The first one, um, what is prayer? What is prayer? And and we've made prayer into this thing that it's not, you've all seen enough movies where there's been a prayer in the movie. I was thinking of Meet the Parents earlier, you know, when, when Ben Stiller's trying to pray. He's like, oh God, dear God, you know, first of all, he's like, getting like this. Oh God, dear God, bless this day by day, by day. By day, by day, by day, by day. And we've, we've just heard prayer just get this crazy thing, right? Uh, simply, to put it simply, prayer is communication with God. Prayer is talking to our dad, talking to our father. And I know when I just said that, some of you put up walls. Because when, I, when you think of you, father, you think of the wounds that you may carry. Some of you don't speak to your father still. Some of you have never reconciled with your father, and some of you don't have that opportunity because he's no longer here. But when I say speaking with your father, you automatically put up a wall. Can can I tell you that God is a perfect father who doesn't wound you, he doesn't leave you, he doesn't forsake you. And honestly, he's the father that maybe you never had who can begin to heal those wounds so that you can then reach a place of forgiveness for all the hurt in your past. But prayer is simply a communication with our Father. And it's, it's interesting, you know, in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, pray without ceasing. And I really struggled with this because it's like, I have a job. I got things to do. I can't just go sit in a closet all day. You've seen, a lot of y'all seen War Room. You know, you set up your prayer closet and pray without ceasing. So I, you want me sitting there all day? I can't do that. I, I, I'm not a morning person. So when people say, you know, praise God, I get up at 5 a.m. and I pray for two hours, I'm like, good for you. <laughs> you obviously are much more spiritual than I am, brother. But... I'm not a morning person. See, if I got up at 5 a.m. to pray, I'm gonna be like a disciple in the garden when Jesus like, couldn't you stay awake for an hour? No, I can't. It's 5 a.m., Jesus. You created me. You know I'm not a morning person. Let's pray at night. I come alive at 10 p.m. So, so let somebody cover the morning shift. I'll take third shift. I don't know. I just struggle with this, but this pray without ceasing, it's a constant conversation. It's being in a a communication with with our Father all day long. When I get out of bed, I'm like, thank you, Lord, for this morning. This morning when I rolled to bed, I was like, what is that? There's a fire in the sky. I haven't seen it in several days. Jesus, thank you for the sunshine today. Please don't make it so hot and humid today, but, you know, I'll get my request in too. But just start a conversation. I, I talk to God a lot when I'm driving. 
I call it windshield time. And that, that, that helps me keep sane in the traffic that we deal with because it's insanity. But I call it windshield time. And I'm talking out loud. I, my mouth is moving everything. And some people, you're like, that's crazy. You know what? Here's the thing. I was praying out loud in my truck even before Bluetooth. See, people look at me now and they're like, oh, he's got Bluetooth in his truck. I don't have Bluetooth in my truck. I'm just talking to God. I want to talk to God. I need to talk to God. If I'm not, if I'm not praying when I'm in traffic, I'm saying some things that are unholy. I'm like, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help that person. Can you give me grace and that person justice, please? <laughs> so it's a real conversation. And I love what Jesus tells us in Matthew 6. This is the Sermon on the Mount, verse 5, chapter, chapter 6, verse 5, um, titled The Lord's Prayer. But Jesus starts out saying, he said, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and, and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. What that's saying is, if you stand up and you pray, and your prayer is just to show other people how spiritual you are, and they look at you and go, oh, that man must be really spiritual. You've got, God says, you've got your reward. I'm not giving you anything because you're praying. You're putting on a mask of prayer. And you're praying like just to show people that you're spiritual and God's like, that's not what prayer is about. It's you and me, you and me talking. See, when we feel like we have a point to prove, we'll talk to somebody, but enough so everybody else can hear it. You know what I'm talking about? And Jesus is like, don't do that. This is, this is a conversation between you and I. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So what Jesus is saying is like, look, there, there, there was a time in history where uh, before you could say the word God in prayer, there had to be about 100 adjectives of God before you could say God. Like, most holy, almighty, all-powerful. And, and if you have kids, you'll understand what I'm about to say. Sometimes your kid comes to you, and they got something to say, but they just can't spit it out. You're like, ah, dad, dad I, uh, I just have one with you. And you, you want to hit him in the back. They go, spit it out. Use your words. Sometimes God's that way. When we, oh, most holy, gracious, loving, incredible, magnificent, mighty. And God's just like, shut up. Tell me. Talk to me. He's like, you don't have to babble on. I mean, some people are like, I don't know how to pray. You know how to talk, right? Just talk to God. That's what he wants. And it says that your father knows what you need before you even ask him. That's another question that came in. If God knows what I need, why should I pray? Here's what I've learned. You know, prayer aligns my heart with the heart of God. And it brings us into a more connected relationship. And really, for a healthy relationship, we've got to have communication. That's foundational. I've been married for 20, over 21 years. And if I would have stopped communicating with Heather after I said I do, I couldn't stand here and say I've been married for 21 years. I would be like, that was about two months. 
communication, when I do premarital counseling, here's things. We talk about all these things that attack our marriage, but one of the things that we do to kill it is we stop communicating. We stop talking. See, Heather knows that I have needs, and I know Heather has needs, but we've got to communicate on the best way, the most healthy way, and the most holy way to have those needs met. When we get into, when we get into situations and we start feeling that tension in, in, in any relationship, here's a diagnostic question. What's the line of communication like? Honestly, when I start feeling a little isolated from God, when I start feeling like he's not hearing my prayer, here's the thing. I got to ask myself, am I praying? Or am I just spouting off this Christmas list to God? God, I need you to do this. God, I need, here, here's your to-do list for me, God. I tried that once with Heather. <laughs> once. I learned really early on. We don't just put to-do lists in our marriage and say, here's what you do. We gotta communicate. We gotta talk. And don't tell me you're not good at it because God's created every one of us to be able to communicate We just have to work at it. You may not be perfect at it. The enemy may have you beat up thinking you can't do it, but yes, you can do it. You can communicate. You can share what's on your heart. So prayer begins to to work in this relationship, and, and we've got to see that, you know, Jesus prayed. Jesus is God in the flesh, but yet still spent time. He would separate from the crowds and speak to his father. When he prayed in the garden in John 17, before he went to the cross, he's praying, God, I pray that the the people that you've given me, I pray that we may be one just as you and I are one. And Jesus, he modeled prayer for us, and that brought his heart and his will in alignment with his father's will. There's several things prayer does. It invites God into the details of our life. Yes, God sees everything we're going through. Yes, God knows what we're gonna deal with, but he wants to be connected. Parents, you see your, saw your kids up here. You know what they're gonna face the first day of school and that fear. You know what your kids are gonna experience as they go to school and the challenges that they will face, but you want that connection with your kids, do you not? And you want your kids to come home from school and say, I, I'm, I'm struggling in this area. Or mom, dad, this was something incredible that happened to me today. It brings us into the problems and the praise of the relationship with God. And he wants to be involved with that. He wants to hear from us. It strengthens our relationship when we come to him and we confess and repent. And God begins to deal with us in grace And we have this stronger relationship because we're humbling ourselves before God and we're saying, I don't want anything to come between us. I want our relationship to be healthy and holy. It allows the Holy Spirit to begin to work in our life. See, the Holy Spirit has incredible power. And even when we're not praying, the Holy Spirit is interceding on our behalf. When we don't know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit knows exactly what to pray for. And he continues to pray for us. 
and he's praying for you for wisdom and for revelation and for strength and for peace. And when we begin to call out to God, we begin to experience that revelation and that peace and that wisdom and that strength because we're then inviting the Holy Spirit to be the power at work within us instead of us saying, I got this, God. It allows us to give him glory and praise. And that praise changes our perspective. God, I I know this is going on, but I'm gonna focus on you because God, no matter how bad this gets, I know you're still good. Some of y'all dealing with marriage issues. Some of y'all are in the process of divorce, or maybe you're getting ready to file for divorce, or maybe it's already been filed and you're trying to figure life out. And God, I'm gonna still praise you because I know that you are faithful. You will never leave me. You will never forsake me. I know there's medical issues going on and there's diagnosis and there's all these things. And and God, even in the midst of that, I'm gonna praise you because you are my healer. You are my sustainer. You are my hope. You are my life. It begins to allow us to, to align our heart in this moment of praise so that we can see God in the proper perspective. And it begins to change us. We begin to pray for other people. I was talking with a man that, that for the longest time, he was told he's not allowed to pray for himself. I'm like, who told you that stuff? Well, I heard that in church one time. That church preached the Bible to you? Yes, you pray for yourself. Yes, pray for other people. In Ephesians 6:18, Paul's saying, hey, you need to be praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. That's, that's requests and, and bringing that in. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication. So praying for all the saints. Who are the saints? Those who are in Christ. We pray for one another. Can I tell you that when you fill out a prayer card, when you come to this altar for prayer, you are prayed for. On Monday, our staff lays those prayer requests out on the table, and we pray over those. We plead the blood of Jesus over your life. We pray for your marriages. We pray for the faithfulness of God to change your focus. We pray for healing above anything what the doctor says. And we pray for peace. We pray for strength. We pray for those extended family members that you're praying about and you're burdened about and your heart is breaking because they don't have a relationship with Christ and you're so desperately wanting to see them come into that relationship. Our team, our staff, our prayer team is praying for you every week. Let me ask you for this. Pray for your staff. Because we face the spiritual attack too. I'm not perfect. I'm not on a pedestal. I'm a mess. I'm a human man. I'm a mess. And I deal with attacks. Sometimes I feel like the, the enemy's punching bag and he starts beating on me and I start letting my confidence go and I'm just feeling beat down and all of a sudden it's the prayers of the saints and the power of the Holy Spirit that begins to encourage me and I start to feel the Holy Spirit rise in me with strength. I just feel like Rocky Balboa in that moment, you know? I'm like, I'm so beat up, I can't do this. And then the Holy Spirit says, you can do it, you can do it. And my confidence comes back. I'm like, I'm going in, I'm gonna fight him. Which one do I hit? He says, hit the one in the middle. And I'm like, bam, you know? So pray for your staff. I don't know where that just came from, but come on now. When I pray, when we pray, it keeps us obedient. It keeps us surrendered. It keeps us 
submitted and it keeps us trusting in God instead of trusting in ourselves. Because we look at our life. I mean, we live in, we live in the, one of the most blessed nations on the planet and we're like, look what I've accomplished. <laughs> when I come to the throne of God, when I humble myself and when I pray, man, it brings things into perspective. God's like, you didn't do anything that my power didn't do in you. Oh, no, God, I got this job, and I paid for this myself. Where do you think you got that job from? Well, I got a good education. Where do you think you got that education from? Where do you think you got the brain to withstand all that education? Well, my parents poured into me. Who do you think set you in that family? <laughs> it brings us into that reliance of, on God instead of ourselves. Does prayer change God's mind? This, this question comes with a scripture. It's Exodus chapter 32. And I, I put this in your extra reading this week. There's six passages that you can read this week that we deal with. What, that, that prayer keeping us obedient, surrendered, submitted, and all that, and relying on God. I mean, Deuteronomy 8, God deals with that. He says, look, look you, get, you better watch out so you don't forget me and all my goodness. Because when you do, it's not gonna go well. When you start feeling like you've done everything, problems, they are a-coming. So read Deuteronomy 8 this week. Exodus 32 is, is brought up when we ask this question, does, does prayer change God's mind? And this is Moses is leading the people out of Israel. They deal with this golden calf Verse seven says, and the Lord said to Moses, go down for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They've turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshiped it and sacrificed to it and said, these are our gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people and behold, it is a stiff necked people. I love it. God saying to Moses, your people that you brought up, they're stiff-necked people. They have no humility, they're prideful, and they've been stupid. That's what it translates. Get real with this. And then God says, now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them in order to make a great nation of you. Moses, step aside. I'm firing, and boom, I'm gonna wipe them out. I'm gonna clean it up and I'm gonna start over with you. Okay, so that's the setting. And then here's what Moses says. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, oh Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people? They ain't my people, they're your people. <laughs> Whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self, God, and to them I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I've promised I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. So it looks like Moses and God had a therapy session 
And Moses talks God off the ledge. Get out the way, I'm going to kill him. And Moses is like, whoa, whoa, no, no, no. You can't do this, God. Think about what the Egyptians will say. And it says the Lord relented in his anger and his plan. And so we tend to think, okay, God changed his mind. Moses changed God's mind. Can I help you with something? And this this is where you're going to have to let the Holy Spirit bring some revelation to you. God does not change. In Revelation chapter 1, He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, which is the beginning and the end. I am who was and who is and who is to come. I am the Almighty. And so for God to be the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega, which it means he has seen the beginning and he has seen the end. And God stands outside of time and sees the completion of time. And this is a a point of view that's hard for us to understand because we tend to bring God down into our human view. It's called an anthropomorphic view. We tend to bring God into our view of circumstances. Let, let Let me give you this example. Last night, the sunset, and we have beautiful sunsets in Fort Worth. And it would be easy for us to sit and go, that's a beautiful sunset because we see the sun drop over the under the horizon. And and from our view, from our point of view on earth, it looks like the sun starts here and it moves through the sky and then it moves until you can't see it anymore, right? So our point of view is that the sun is moving. We know that the truth is the sun doesn't move. The earth moves. And so what we've got to understand is that God doesn't move, we move. And so from our perspective, it looks like Moses changed God's mind. But if, Mo, if God stands outside of time and sees it completed, here's what happened. God knew that Moses was going to stand in the gap for his people. Now, why does this event happen? Well, God's looking for a leader, and God's looking for someone who's humble. And Moses is considered one of the most humble men of history, And I believe this was a leadership lesson for Moses because God saw it in Moses. Moses needed to see it in Moses. Moses needed to step up and be the leader. And yes, God will put us through some challenges so that not so God can go, hey, let me me see how you're gonna do on this test. It's so we know. See, when a teacher gives a test, the teacher can kind of know because she knows her students how the student is going to perform on the test, right? But you give that grade back to the student because the student needs to know how well they can perform. God needed Moses to be the leader that would lead them into the promised land. He needed Moses to be a leader that would stand in the gap for his people because a leader that's just going to go, you want to kill him? Go ahead. Nobody's going to follow that. So this is a leadership lesson. There's other lessons. I mean, you know, God saw the sin of his people and God's heart does break when we sin. That there there does need to be a mediator between man and God. And in this passage, you see Moses as kind of an image of Jesus being a mediator between God and man. Don't destroy them. But prayer doesn't change God's mind. It changes our mind. Because it helps me to see that I'm talking to the Alpha and the Omega. That when I pray, God has already seen the entirety of my days. 
And sometimes that can be overwhelming, but praise God that I'm talking to someone with that much wisdom. Because when you're dealing with a problem, you want to talk with somebody who's smarter than you, right? You would really like to get information from somebody who can tell you how to get through it. God has seen the entirety of our days, and so it begins to change our minds. The last question, does God hear the prayers of an unsaved person? Thank you. This, is, this one's an easy one. Yes. Okay. <laughs> let, me, let me illustrate it, because I'm a preacher. I got to do that. I was unsaved, and I prayed to God for salvation, and he heard me, and he forgave me. Even in my mess, even while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. And yes, he hears my prayer. Now, let me, just, let me just give you a caution. So whether you're saved or not saved, God is not obligated to answer your prayer. He's not gonna answer a prayer that's outside of his will. And God does not deal with selfish prayers. Parents, you don't deal with selfish kids. At least I hope you don't. And God is our perfect father. He's not going to deal with selfish kids. There's a lot of things that I, I, here's, I know this, that if God would have given me what I would have asked for, it would have killed me. So whether you're saved or not, God's not obligated to hear your prayers, but there is a prayer, the prayer of an unsaved person, have mercy on me, God, a sinner. Forgive me. God will hear from heaven. He will cleanse us. He will forgive us, and he will save us. God desires every one of us to come into repentance. So I, I guess the real question is, uh, do you believe in the power of prayer? I mean, that's what you've got to wrestle with. Do I believe that when I'm praying that I'm speaking to the creator of everything, that I'm speaking with the author and finisher of my life, the author and perfecter of my faith, that I'm speaking with the one who has seen my days in its entirety. I'm speaking with the Alpha and the Omega. I'm speaking with the one who was and is and is to come. I'm speaking with the Almighty. And I'm speaking with my Father who loves me and wants to be involved in my life and who wants to hear my heart and who wants me to come to him and wants me to cry out to him and wants me to celebrate with him and wants me to mourn with him. See, Jesus prayed a lot, but Jesus also taught us how to pray. I mean, this is the Lord's Prayer, and many of us, when I say the Lord's Prayer, you automatically think the ritual of repeating this prayer. You've got to get out of the ritual, you've got to get out of the religion, and look at the relationship in this prayer. Because Jesus didn't say, pray this, he said, pray like this. So when he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, he's saying, you call upon your Father, your Dad in heaven, who is holy, who is worthy to be praised. And when you say, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, you're saying, align my heart with your will, with the purposes that you have in heaven. May they be one on earth and, and let me find myself in the purposes of your will. Just as Jesus prayed, not my will be done, but your will be done. 
Give us this day our daily bread. God, I'm coming to you to be my provider. Jehovah Jireh is the word of the Old Testament, that God, you are my provider. You know what I need even before I ask. And God's gonna take care of our needs. He doesn't always do it in the way we want him to do it, but God always takes care of his kids. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. We've got to go to God and deal with forgiveness. God, there are things that are hindering our relationship. And when when we're hindered, I'm hindered with other relationships. And so I've got to deal with forgiveness with other people. And I begin to say, God, I need your forgiveness in my life to give forgiveness to, to those that have hurt me and those that have wronged me. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, help us to stand firm against the attacks of the enemy. God, when he comes in like like a flood, that it's you who raises up a standard against him and let me be able to fight and resist what the enemy is bringing. Let your strength rise in me. Let your victory rise in me. So what I want us to do is I want us to stand and I want us to pray this prayer. We're gonna say it together, but let's get out of the ritual. But let's truly mean this, that Father God, you're worthy to be praised. Let my heart align with you. Lead me in your ways. Provide for me, Father. Forgive me and help me forgive others. Help me stand strong to live the life you've called me to live. So let's stand and let's pray this together. We'll, we'll, we'll say it, and then I want you to take a minute or two and pray it, and then I will close us out. So here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want you just to take a minute where you're at. Close your eyes and just begin to say, God, you are my father. And you are holy. You're worthy to be praised. Bring my heart into alignment with yours. God, there are needs. And you see them. You know what's going on in my life. And I'm asking you to be in my provision and be at work in the needs that that you know I have, God. God, I'm asking you to forgive me of areas that I've fallen short of your glory. I'm asking you to forgive me of the sins that keep me from the fullness of the life that you have for me. God, I'm asking you to help me forgive those that have wronged me. God, I'm asking you to pour in such a heart of forgiveness that forgiveness flows in me and through me. God, I'm asking for your strength because the enemy does attack. He comes in like a flood. And I pray that it's you, God, that raises a standard against him, that you keep me protected. When the temptation comes, that, God, I can stand up under it, that, God, when the temptation becomes too much to bear, I can flee from it. Give me presence of mind to fight the enemy well. And God, I want to live for your kingdom and your power and your glory, not my own. 
Maybe for some of y'all in this room, you don't know God as your father. Maybe you've been around the ritual, you've been around the relation or the religion, and today's the day that that needs to become a relationship. And maybe today's the, the day that your prayer is just this, God, forgive me, save me. Hear my prayer and bring me into a relationship with you so that I can be your child. I surrender it all to you, God. Father, we thank you for prayer. We thank you for the ability to communicate with you. That through the blood of Jesus, we have this privilege of speaking with you, the Almighty, the Alpha, the Omega, the Creator of all. You who were, you are, and you will be. God, it just increases my confidence to know that my Father is the creator of all things, that my Father is the beginning and the end, and my daddy's bigger than any daddy. We love you. We praise you, and we pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.